The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever been reluctant to spread the Gospel? Ever felt as if you didn't have the right words, that there's no way people are going to believe you if you try to preach the good word of God, that indeed you just have no way of being his apostle, and there's just a lot of better people out there, so why doesn't he just choose them? Well, if you think that, you're in good company with Moses. Moses, from our first reading, was called by God to deliver his people Israel. But Moses' first response to that burning bush was, Uh, Lord, um, I don't know if you know, but who am I and who are you? And so God responds to him and says, Well, Moses, don't worry. This whole thing is not about you. It's about me, and I am who am. Tell them that I am sent you. Well, then, after our reading that we had today in chapter 4 of Exodus, Moses goes on to complain. But Lord, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't accept the message? What if they say I'm just making it all up? God responds by turning Moses' staff into a snake, giving Moses leprosy in his hand and then healing it right away, and then telling Moses, if you take water out of the river and pour it on the ground, it'll turn to blood. Essentially telling Moses, look, Moses, I got your back. I'll take care of you. It's not about them believing you. It's about them believing in me. I'm God, you're not. Just take my message. But then Moses continues, be patient with me, Lord. For I am a man of no eloquence. I have no words. Whenever I try to speak, I become tongue-tied. And God responds, Moses, who created your mouth in the first place? I'll deal with it. I'll give you the words to speak. Don't worry. And then Moses continues on. Lord, be patient with me. He knows he's probably testing the Lord's patience. I'm pretty sure you can find a better emissary. Someone out there. And at this point in Scripture, it says that, and God was angry. But he wasn't so angry that he smited Moses in the, in the spot. He actually started sending, even before Moses complained, his brother Aaron. 
God foreknew Moses' weaknesses and his problems and said, Your brother Aaron is coming. I'll give him words too. You can do it together. Now we know the rest of the story. Moses is one of the greatest prophets and teachers in all of Israel's history. But he found himself completely underqualified. And indeed he was. But thankfully, the whole mission wasn't his. It was God's. Now you see, Moses gives us a really great example of one of the major obstacles to prayer and evangelization. We can come up with a laundry list of reasons why God can find someone better than me to spread the gospel. I don't have the right words. No one will ever believe me. There's got to be someone better to go talk to that person over there, Lord. Just choose someone else. But you heard all of his responses to Moses, and he says the same thing to you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about his message. It's about his will. It's about his love. And if it's his job, then he'll make it happen. He just wants you to come along for the ride. He wants you to cooperate with his will and his love. And he'll provide for you just like he provided for Moses, just according to your calling. You might not need a staff that turns into a serpent, but if you do, he'll provide. Now, this you-have-to-earn-or-prove-your-goodness mentality has a wicked and evil twin called divine retribution, that you can earn God's divine punishment, his hatred somehow. Now, we joke about this all the time. I hear it quite often. Father, I would go to confession, but if I did, the confessional would be struck by lightning, and you just built it, so you don't want that to happen. Or, Father, I would come in and talk to you in your office, but I know the moment I schedule a meeting, I just want to make sure that you have your insurance up to date, because it'll probably be struck by a meteor from heaven. And then when it gets even worse, how people somehow say, the floods in Nebraska or natural disasters are happening because someone deserves it. They've done something wrong. And my brothers and sisters, none of this is the Christian gospel. None of that understanding is what Christ taught us. It's actually, Christ taught us the exact opposite in our gospel today. It's not all about divine retribution. It's about fatherly correction. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Were the Galileans or those in Jerusalem who died under the Tower of Siloam, were they greater sinners than anyone else? No, he says. So then why did they die? Because merciful and gracious is the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in kindness. Far as the heavens are above the earth, so surpassing is his kindness toward those who fear him. You see, how you die doesn't make you an evil person. How you act does. If you get struck by lightning, that doesn't make you an evil person. How you live your life does. Being executed does not make you an evil person. What you did to deserve it does. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ said, But I tell you, if you do not repent of your sins, you will all perish as they did. Now we know that every single one of us in this church is destined for death. Every single one of us is going to experience it. There is no potion of immortality out there. It's coming for us all. But it shouldn't cause us fear because of the one who died and rose for us and our sins. We have freedom offered through him. But the beautiful gift of God's kindness and mercy is that he always gives us time to repent. And thus the parable of the fig tree. It's all about God's mercy. You see, if we refuse to bear good fruit, 
then in God's mercy, he'll till the soil of our souls, he'll spread manure around so that we can be humbled enough to accept his love and mercy. He does not allow suffering in our world so as to punish us. It's not like God sits up there waiting for you to mess up and then wants to squish you between his thumb and his forefinger. God allows suffering in the world so as to perfect and purify us, so as to correct and call us home. See, my brothers and sisters, the soil of the Catholic Church, his beloved bride, is continually being tilled by persecution and hardship. The Lord is always spreading manure around his church so that he can humble his children and make sure they know who their father is and what they lean on. The current situation in our church of all the scandals inside and outside of the church of all different types are humbling us and dropping us to our knees, calling us back home to the one God who can guide us through all trials. Now, our God did not send any of these evil acts as punishments upon anybody. He sent all of this, he's revealing all of this as a corrective, as a purification, to bring his children home. You see, our God's one desire is to heal all wounds. Sometimes in order to heal a wound, you have to dig a little deeper into it. Now all suffering, is, especially any suffering that we experience, should be seen in this light as suffering that can be endured with our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything from a stubbed toe to cancer to emotional or spiritual suffering can be endured with Christ and united to his cross and is thus redemptive. It's suffering that calls us home. And we can see this in the image of the burning bush. You see, because the bush was not consumed. It was on fire with divine presence. My brothers and sisters, your soul is on fire with divine presence. It'll burn away everything that does not belong there, but it will never touch what belongs. The bush was unconsumed by the fire. You will be unconsumed by the divine love, but you will be transformed and purified. That is how God works, always calling his children home, but never destroying them. You see, we know that Moses had a hard life. I don't know if you've ever wanted to go before a king, but I don't. Moses did. Then he led these obstinate people who hated him the whole time through the Red Sea, and then lived with them for 40 years in the desert while they just complained about everything he did. And then after all of that, all of his suffering for them, he doesn't even get to go into the Holy Land. But I bet if we had a chance to talk to Moses today, if we'd ask him that simple question of, Moses, you lived a rough life. It was hard. God asked you to endure some suffering. But was it worth it? Sitting in his seat in heaven, in his seat of glory, looking upon the face of our God, he'll joyfully say it was, and he'd do it a hundred times over. You see, my brothers and sisters, be not afraid of speaking the word of God. Be not afraid of, afraid of proclaiming the gospel. Be not afraid to make the sign of the cross in public, because if it means persecution or some kind of pain and suffering, it is for your good. It is for your correction and for leading all of God's children back home. So be not afraid of whether or not you're good enough. It's not your mission, not your word. It's God's, and he is good enough. You see, my brothers and sisters, he's not looking for ways to punish you. He's looking ways to prepare you for glory. And indeed, my brothers and sisters, you are beloved sons and daughters of a father who simply can't wait to bring you home. Are you prepared to go home?